Welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Eloise Tompkins, I am so happy to be interviewing you for She's the Boss Chats. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I can't wait to hear your story. Oh, Jules, I'm so excited. I love talking. So happy to be here. <laughs> so we're not going to run out of words, the two of us. Don't think so. All right. So, <laughs> so well, I know you and I know how fabulous you are, but nobody listening does. So how about we start off with what it is that you do and why you're doing it? Yeah, I am a coach and I help women who on paper seem to have it all, uh, but still feel that something's missing. And what I find is that there's self-doubt, imposter syndrome, a lack of confidence. And what I do is I help them get out of their own way so that they can move forward. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to say you're not your average coach who's just decided to do this or done a coaching institute course. You're actually a qualified psychologist as well, aren't you? Yeah, I have a background in psychology and I definitely think that's what is something that makes me and my skill set unique because, I mean, gosh, it was a long time to become a psychologist. And I think one of the things for me is that working as a psychologist and working in, I guess, the mental health space, I realized that we were helping people who were kind of um, really struggling get to a point of, you know, okay, I'm doing all right again now. And when they'd get to that point of doing, oh, I'm okay, uh, then then what? Then That's we're right. <laughs> <laughs> and so I saw, uh, I guess, life coaches and people out there who, I'm not saying like they don't do an incredible job. Absolutely no. they do. What I started to notice though is that there was a lack of, I guess, um, trauma-informed care or just knowledge about how the brain actually works and how the brain processes information. And I decided to step into that space knowing that people who are successful, um, you know, like myself, like I kind of consider I've ticked a lot of the boxes in life but yet still lack confidence at times or still doubt myself or still uh, have all of these experiences. Oh, you mean you're human. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) So that's kind of why I stepped into that space because I wanted to be able to provide support to people who might not be in struggle town but are wanting to kind of have have, yeah maybe they've walked away covered in sticky tape and glue Mm. and gone okay I'm ready to face the world again but maybe they're just a little bit more fragile or they need a bit of help yeah in directing where they're going to go next 100% what was it was there something that happened that made you decide to do this um because obviously you could have just kept going forever as a psychologist and doing clinical blah blah blahs So was there a person, was there a place, was there something that happened that made you go, you know what, I actually want to step out of that clinic space and move into working with women more? I think a lot of it, um, yeah, there was. And I'm just kind of thinking like my head's pinging because there's a few different reasons as to why. Yeah, yeah. And one, because I was working with a lot of women and the same things were coming up time and time again. Yeah. I, and particularly in relationships, like they'd come in and they'd talk about their relationships with their partner. Um, and I'm talking hetero relationships here where yep. they'd come in and they'd say, Oh, I really want to, 
uh, be a better partner. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not having enough sex with my partner and I'm wondering, I want, you know, how is that impacting our relationship? I feel like I'm working too much and I feel like that frustrates my partner. They want to spend more time with me. Uh, I just don't feel like I'm good enough. And then I would work with men and men would come in and they'd say, completely different issues. Yeah. <laughs> they would be like, I don't understand why my partner just, you know, I, I want her to go and get a higher paying job. I want her to spend more time with the kids. Like, you know, I want to be able to go and work and play golf on the weekends and I just don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) And so looking at those differences and kind of seeing them anecdotally made me just realise, you know what, I want women to be like, nah, I want to live my life without caring what other people think because it's so rife in their personal life, in our Uh, careers in all aspects of our lives we're just so focused on what other people think of us and I wanted to switch that narrative and I also wanted to make a bigger impact with psychology I can only work with people one-on-one yeah I want to be able to help women I want to like create some noise and create a revolution where women are like you know what I'm gonna live life my way yeah love it love it love it and uh and for anyone that's listening you you are going to be starting a membership and a whole group around that so, you know, and I do think particularly for women that there's something about doing things in a group and knowing other women are going through it that makes it more bearable um, yeah. and easier. But anyway, enough about all of that now. I want to know about you. So we're going to go right back, if it's all right with you, and let's talk about where did you grow up, what did your mum and dad do, and do you have brothers and sisters? I am a Melbourne girl, so yep. grew up in the cough cough western suburbs of melbourne oh i'm a westie (laughs) (laughs) grew up grew up in the good old west um and it was kind of a lower socioeconomic area um my mum is german and my dad's an aussie so growing up um it's weird like i kind of look back on it and never really thought that there was anything different but having a parent who was European, who did have an accent, who did learn English as a second language. Like I kind of look at that and I think, wow, um, that is a bit of a different experience growing up compared to all of the people that I grew up in school with. Um, I have a couple of brothers, but, and I think this is one of the reasons why I studied psychology is because my family is very, uh, I would say dysfunctional. Right. If we're going to put a bit and of a you're label. you're not alone, I would say. <laughs> of all the women I've interviewed, they'd be that would be the, you know, prevalence. 100%. And that's what I love about, like, working with women, uh, successful women or women who are have got these really high ambitions because I find that underneath the success there is a lot of that, uh, yeah, stuff that from our past that we haven't necessarily addressed. So yeah. That can pop up at different times in our lives just when we don't want it. Yep. Always. Okay, so you have two brothers. Are you, where are you in the pecking order, though? Oldest, youngest, middle? So my brothers are like eighteen years older than me. Both of them. Mm-hmm. Mobile, give or well, take. Ish, but but you're practically an only child. Practically, so that that was kind of interesting growing up. Like, um, I technically have brothers; they're half brothers, but I grew up. Oh, it's from a second marriage. Yeah, I'm a second marriage. So okay. was born when your parents fell in love. And what did your what did your dad do? And what did your mum do? They, my dad worked as a boiler maker. Um, oh wow! Yeah, so I, I he just, must be so proud of his daughter. Is a psychology degree? 
He thinks I'm a quack. Okay, right. <laughs> I should, probably shouldn't have said that jumping in there like that. And what about your mum? Did she work? She did. She had a lot of um, odd jobs, I guess. So she worked at things like back in the day. I don't know whether milk bars are still ex- like whether they still exist, but she worked in milk bars, service stations, and um, like hotels doing cleaning. So. They were both um, hard workers, very, very hard workers. And so for me to go to university was a really big deal because something that not people in our family just didn't do that. Oh, well, that's just fantastic. And and I, and I'm, no doubt the dysfunction will come out. But in some ways, the reason I ask that is for the role modelling to see, you know, what were they doing and, and how that spurs you on in one direction or another. And I would say it probably did have a big impact on you choosing to go to uni. But I'm jumping ahead again. Let's talk about primary school and school days. Did you enjoy school? Were you good at school? I loved the escape of school. I loved that for me school was an escape from home right? in many ways. And so it was and, – and I was just naturally okay academically. Um, I mean, I wasn't top of the class, but I certainly wasn't at the bottom. I was just kind of your average student. Yeah. So I really like that. From a social perspective, I hated school. Um, oh, why? Bullied. Oh, God, I hate hearing all these stories about girls who've been bullied. Mm-hmm. There's something very – was it a girl – was it a mixed school, the school you went to? Yeah, it was. I think, uh, like, looking back on it, you know, when you grow up in a family of dysfunction and they don't model healthy communication skills, they don't model healthy boundary setting, they don't model how to have healthy friendships, you – learn all of that from your parents and I think I just learned from a very young age what not to do but I didn't know that that wasn't what I should be doing so I was doing it and it's taken a lot of unlearning to not do those things and yeah create a different path so that was some of the reasons that school was just kind of really difficult. So and you can tell me to um, mind my own business of course but you've talked about the dysfunction and before we go any further because there's sort of nowhere else that this will that we can discuss this easily as we get older from you I'm interested to know what what was going on when you were younger so was was yeah tell me about the split and tell me how about that affected you and some of that stuff if that's okay yeah it's fine like um it's part of my story and, and I think for a long time it was hard to have that as part of my story and it's interesting because you know, obviously I work with a lot of women now and I know I'm sidestepping the question because I, sometimes I look back on my past and I think, you know what, I know that um, some of my clients had very different stories and some of their stories are um, much harder to hear than mine. And it just makes me think that it doesn't, like dysfunction doesn't have to be these really huge things in order no, for it to be really impactful. But my... uh I don't know, there was just a lot of fighting at home, like not right. physical, um, but just very like volatile. Mum would get, get very volatile and it was very scary. And when she left, I remember that I was 14 years old and she met a man on the internet, um, Wow, on the chat rooms <laughs> back in the day, um, Merck or whatever it is. I don't, I don't even know uh, that's showing my age, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> And she, I just remember I was on holidays um, down on the Mornington Peninsula and uh, was 14 and when I came home, mum was just spending a lot of time 
on the internet. And then one day she was just like, I've met a man. He lives in America. See you later. Oh, wow. Hang on a minute. So how old were you when your parents split? Were you being brought up by your mum on her own? No, I was 14. Right. And mum, so when I was 14. Oh, the parents, your parents were together when your mum found someone and said, I'm leaving. Yeah. Oh, my God. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, and she didn't just leave. She kind of upped and moved to the USA. Um, right. <laughs> which was, yeah. Hard, really hard when you're going through, you know puberty and all those sorts of things at that age as well. A hundred percent. And you've got brothers and a father. So she's the only sort of female with you in the family. Yeah. And, and was telling me, you know, that like I was what, 15, 16 at the time. And I just remember her telling me, oh, you'll be an adult soon. You won't need me anyway. So it doesn't really matter that I'm leaving and like all of her justification around it in terms of. um, She was making it okay for herself. Mm, mm-hmm. didn't really include you. Mm. So it was it was definitely hard. And, and then did she stay over there? Is she still over there? She's still over there. I actually okay. don't have contact with her right. at the moment um, for various oh. reasons. <laughs> but sometimes yeah. you've got to make those choices for your own well-being and your own. Absolutely you do. Absolutely you do. Okay, so um, school, socially not great, academically okay. What happened in you know, year 10, 12, because you obviously went through. I did. (laughs) Gosh, you're taking me back. I actually don't really remember too much. I think that was kind of like um, that really rocky period when mum had just left. And, like, I look back on that and I'm like, I dealt with that okay. I did not deal with that okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think I really struggled those last three years of school, like just – it was a lot. I was trying to deal with, like you said, puberty and all of these emotions and not having anyone to support Confiding, me through yeah. that. Um, and how do, how was your dad when your mum left? Because, you know, a lot of guys don't deal with that very well. We just didn't talk about it. Right. At all. Yeah. No. Nah. Was never discussed. Never discussed. Like the, sometimes. The ghost of the missing mum. Yeah. Just hanging there but not being discussed. Yeah. So as wow. a 16 year old, it, it was, it was tough because there was no check-ins. It was just, I remember, um, my brother at the time saying to me, oh, just get over it. You know, it, it's not a big deal. <laughs> so you love boys, <laughs> all of, all of this minimization of like my emotional experiences. And so I think I was going through that. Like I became a little bit of a, um, rebel at school in those years um and really I think I just really really struggled to deal with everything but I didn't realize that's what was happening I just thought that was normal life um so when you hit uni what was that like for you because that's sort of when you do have the freedom you are more of an adult did you enjoy why did you choose psychology as I can kind of guess but tell me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, funnily enough, when I went to uni the first time around, um, so straight after high school, oh yeah, I studied a Bachelor of Education. So I studied primary okay. school right. teaching and became a primary school teacher. And at the time I wanted to study psychology, but my um, my dad, like I was very heavily influenced by my dad um, and he 
said that it was rubbish. It was a rubbish idea. And at 18, I also thought studying psychology to become a psychologist, that's going to take six years. And at 18, that felt like forever. (laughs) (laughs) So I studied um, a Bachelor of Education and hated it. I cried every day and uh, got through the degree, um, kind of thought that was just normal life because, you know, again, hadn't been modelled any of these things. Um, Finished the degree, worked as a teacher for a little bit, yeah, for a year, and then I moved overseas and um, did a bit of teaching in London and then moved to Canada. And Oh, hang on, hang on. You can't just whisk through all of that because it's always interesting. (laughs) So what made you decide that you were going to go? You're a teacher. You're doing it here. Didn't really like it. Obviously didn't like the training. What made you think of going over over to Europe and doing it? Oh, I thought that it would be a great opportunity to avoid. Right. <laughs> avoid sense. all of the things that were happening in my life. I'm like, if I move overseas, I'll leave all my problems behind. Uh, don't have to deal with them. And lo and behold, guess what happened? Nervous breakdown. No. They they followed me. Right, yes, of course. Of course. Because you've just got to resolve them some way. Yeah. So, I mean, it was good. Like, it was great living overseas and all of that. I, and did you go over with friends? Like, did you have a bit of a support network at that stage or you just went over and made new friends? Went over and made new friends. Um, That's very brave. Yeah, I look back on that and, like, a friend um, actually sent me something <laughs> recently and was like, do you know that it's been 15 years since we were living over there and... I almost died. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> okay, so you get over there. So talk to me a little bit about what that was like, though. So you were 18 or 20 or whatever you were. You land in England, which is, and I mean, I'm I'm English and Irish, so I've got lots of rallies there, and I found it really, really, and, you know, I'm outgoing like you are. I found it really, really hard to, for the first year, to make those friends because I find English people don't have that automatic trust that Aussies have. And so I kind of would be like, meet someone and they go, you're awesome. And I kind of go like, can I come over to your place? And they're like, no, not until I've met you three or four more times. And it was like, God, it was so lonely. So, I mean, how? what did you do? Did you find other Aussies or what did you do? Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like you go overseas and I very much, um, yeah, met a lot of other Aussies and kind of bonded with them. Uh, met a couple of British people, like I dated a few British people um, whilst I was there. Um, which was, you know, that was an interesting experience, I guess. Um, no urge to stay anyway. I would have liked to have stayed a bit longer, mm. but again, I was very heavily influenced by my dad Yeah, and he was constantly in the back of my mind. Like every time I'd call him, um, which wasn't very often, but every time I'd call, he'd be like, you better come home. You're going to stuff up your financial future. You're going oh to lose your superannuation. And I don't know, wow. I just felt all of this fear. So yeah. I, I was like, well, I'm not quite ready to come home. One of my friends was in Canada. So then I decided to move across to Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, Amazing. Yeah. and But then again, dad just, you know, constantly. Come home, come home. Come home. <laughs> So um, I ended up coming home a lot sooner than I ideally would have liked. But so how long did you spend in Canada? Mm, I was in the UK for a year and then Canada for about a year as well. Oh, wow. This is, okay, so when you arrived back in Australia, did you know what you were planning on doing next? 
Uh, I was teaching, uh, was kind of my plan. So, um, again, in Canada, part of the reason that I wanted to come home is because I was in a relationship with, uh, a man who part of me was like, Oh, if I say that I'm going back to Australia, then I'll just, you know, he'll, he'll stay, he'll stay. He doesn't want to come home. Yep. He was an Aussie. He was an Aussie too, though, okay. funnily enough, and lived in Uh-oh. Melbourne. <laughs> so he was like, oh, you're going back to Australia. Oh, well, I guess I'll come home too then. Right. And I was like, uh-oh, this didn't work how I wanted it to. Right. So because at the time, like, I didn't have the, those communication skills, which is crazy now that I teach other women how to have those difficult conversations and things like that. Um, but th- that's why I teach them because yeah, as I've as learned, you know. they're a skill that you can learn. So <laughs> I just didn't have it at that point in time, but that was kind of the reason that I came home and, um, yeah, just kind of got back into teaching and, um, was trying to figure out my next steps from there. Okay. So what did happen next? Uh, gosh, in a the- nut. Yeah. I was just thinking like how do I kind of summarize it but in a nutshell um I mean it it wasn't a great relationship um again hadn't been modeled healthy relationships so ended up in this relationship where it wasn't great um and it took me a long time to uh, to be able to leave that relationship right um and yeah finally when I was around 28 um I was like you know what I can't do this. Like that was my, I need to get over myself point because I was using a lot of drugs at that point that, um, and, and I didn't, I didn't want to be that person. And I was following a trajectory. I could see my life, you know, moving down this path that scared me and I knew that something had to change. And I knew that, the um drugs had to change um like I wasn't it wasn't I was functional right yeah. like I was going to work I was doing the things but, but I it wasn't... was still a social crutch and a yeah. way for you to ignore your feelings by the sounds of it oh absolutely and just kind of one day was like you know what I can't do this anymore ended the relationship moved out and decided kind of like, okay, well, I want to study psychology. I didn't think I could do it. I didn't believe in myself that I could do it. Um, and when well I kind done. Of, You're very brave because there's a lot of people that would have just put up with, you know, life as it was. And a lot of, uh, I think, my family would have done that. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's really hard to be different from your family for lots of reasons, but I've always been different to my family. So for me, it was just kind of like, okay, well, here's another example where I'm not going to be good enough. I'm not going to live up to their expectations. And I was just kind of like, fuck it. I don't care. I'm going to do my thing now because for so long, you've tried to keep me in this box and Mm -hmm. I've been in this box, but it's still not good enough for you. I've tried to do the things that you want me to do. I've tried to be the person that you want me to be. I've tried to speak the way you want me to speak, work in the jobs that you want me to work in, be with the gender that you think I should be with, be this person, be this woman, <laughs> that you, this daughter, and, and I'm still not good enough. So at Was that there point, an explosion? <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like, fuck you all. Yeah. Like, 
It was, yeah, but not an out, an outward explosion, more like just an internal um, explosion of... Realisation. Yeah, yeah. And when, as soon as I left the relationship, I the drugs stopped. So I was like, oh, okay, I was, you know, using that as a crutch to get through the relationship. Not to jump too far forward, but, you know, fast forward another 10 years and I'm like, oh, I'm not into men. That explains oh, why. Oh, that took you to your late 30s. <laughs> well, Ish. I, I, I mean, knew, to come out, I guess. To come out, I knew, but like, I guess in my mind, I was like, oh, maybe I'm bi, maybe I just haven't met the right man. Um, and then I think I reached a point where I was like, I'm actually just not into men at all. Yeah. Um, so that I think was and a how was realization. that with dad's judgment, judgmental attitude and. You know, you need to fit into this box. That's really breaking out. I'm guessing he wasn't terribly supportive. Oh, Jules. But I could be wrong. <laughs> Jules, my God, I tell you what. <laughs> oh, just thinking about this, like I just, I, I laugh and I shake my head because this is a person in my life who had been so unsupportive of everything that I had wanted to do. Yeah. Everything that I had ever done was met with criticism and judgment with my dad. And I remember when I came out to him and and I, I remember we were sitting in the lounge room at his house and I remember he said, oh, what's new, darling? And I was like, okay, Ellie, it's now or never. And I was like, well, I'm gay. That's, 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 that's new. <laughs> and he just looked at me and he's like, well, I guess someone's got to be. Why not you? Oh, my God. <laughs> and I was just and like. Who are you? <laughs> what? I was so shocked, you know, because I j- had just received so much criticism from him mm. over the years in every single other thing that I had done um, to then have him be like. Yeah, oh. whatevs. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was like, well, that support would have been nice in other ways throughout the years, but. Here we are. Wow. Um, so then I kind of tested it a little, you know, like are you actually supportive or are you, um, you know, just kind of, I don't know, saying what you think I want to hear. So I brought my girlfriend over <laughs> and I was like, right. meet, meet my girlfriend. And he um, said, she's great. He, yeah, was, didn't bat an eyelid, uh, which was really kind of interesting to observe. And I was definitely not expecting that from him. So I guess when you think about family and you think about, I don't know, how they're going to respond, you really just don't know. Um, No, and you can't predict it. No. But it's terrifying to go through and, and imagine what they might say, particularly if he's been so critical of everything else. And this is so personal. So pretty at amazing. That point, at that point, I didn't care though. I was, you know, I, in my mind, I was like, I actually do not care. Um, I have zero concern about what it is that you're actually going to say. Whether you accept me or not is irrelevant. This is my truth and I'm on this earth to live my truth and I'm no longer looking for your approval or looking to please you. And I think going into it with that expectation and knowledge and knowing um, that no matter what he said was not going to impact me, I had 
separated that cord, um, it felt really good. It felt really powerful to be able to have that knowledge of myself that I would be okay regardless of whatever would happen. Yeah, well done. And by then had you finished your degree? I mean, were you a psychologist by then? Yes. Yeah. So being through the whole process, um, psychologist, working in that space. Um, yeah. And I think I'd done like, I think for me, um, oh, so many reasons why I became a psychologist. Um, partly it was because of going through my own journey of like seeing a psychologist and getting my own therapy and my own help um, kind of solidified it for me. Uh, and that's what started off my journey. And so I guess I'd done a lot of work on myself by that point and yeah, walked the talk, I guess. Yeah. I think that it's, I think that that's great. And I love it that you have that vulnerability because to share with other people, because there's a lot of women going through that a lot. And, uh, and to know that your psychologist, I mean, look, I always remember there was a girl I went to school with who became a psychologist who'd been single all her life to the age of 45 when I read that she was doing a column in the Herald Sun and was offering advice to people who'd been in relationships like marriages for 30 years. And I remember thinking, I would never trust anything you say. You have no idea what it's like. So <clears throat> to have someone who's been through it, I think, is is really important. Absolutely. And well done. I think Absolutely. it's... So, yeah, I agree with you. And I think like that is a point of difference with me. Like I love that I don't, whatever I work with on my clients, they're things that I've, if they might not work for me, but I've at least tried them. Yep. Yep. I think that that's great as well. Okay. So um, here's a good question. Are there any women, <laughs> and there may be, that have really helped you in your career? And I, and I ask that because She's the Boss is about making women more visible. And I guess there are an awful lot of women who are supporting other women in the background that nobody really knows about. So, and some people sadly have said, no, there aren't any women I can think of, but are there any that stand out to you? Mm, and yeah, I definitely think my psychologist um, helped um, because I think without being able to go to therapy and kind of get that support and have that uh I guess, healthy relationship modeled, then I wouldn't have been able to be the person that I am today. Yeah. Like, I think that that really helped my potential to I love be it able... that it was a woman as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, helping profession. Yes. <laughs> tend to be with... um, uh, at... What about in the teaching profession? Was there any, any woman there that sort of stood out to you? Oh, not so much. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't. I, I really hated it though. Yeah. I really, really hated the teaching profession. Um, that being said, though, I do remember that I had a grade six teacher who I just who was a, a again woman teacher. Um, Often it's a teacher yeah. that really sticks in. Um, I mean, a good teacher has such a profound effect on you, really, as a person, doesn't it? It really does. And she just was warm and nurturing and I, I just adored her. Uh, Mrs. Sutton was her name. and Thank you, Mrs. Sutton. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. She just had this warmth about her that I felt really cared for. I could just sense that she really cared. And at a time where I didn't feel particularly cared for, um, although I couldn't 
articulated at that point. Um, it was really nice to be able to have her in my corner. Um, and this sounds really corny, Jules, but also you, you know, like it's great to have you, oh, you in my corner as well. Like I think you are just such a powerhouse of genuine support. And I think it's it can be really rare to find that in women. Thank you. Well, I have created a community where I feel, feel like there's loads of them. So um, maybe it's like attracting like. Okay. Um, what about juggling work and life when it's something that you love? <laughs> if anyone could have just seen the face you just made. Um, but I guess another thing that I've really noticed, particularly with women who are driven, and I definitely would put you in that basket as well, is the blurring of lines between your personal life and your business life and how not to burn out. I guess where I'm coming from is, you know, you're a psychologist as well. The number of women that I've interviewed who have had severely impacted health on the back of um, burning out, working too hard. How do you do that juggle? What does your week look like? Good question. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's hard. It is such a juggle. And I think... How do I do it? I mean, I think I used to do it where I would go, 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 and then crash. Right. Go, 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 go. It's not a great model. Not a great model. Um, and I think it's also tricky for me at the moment because I'm aware that I'm in like a very early stage of business and that does require a bit more yes. attention and a bit more nurturing and well, like maybe not a bit more, but a lot, you know. And yeah. um, I kind of have to remind myself of the long game. Um so I think part of it is just that reframing of how I think about things. But do you allow time now for relationships, downtime, weekends, the sacrosanct evenings? How are you doing it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I make sure that on the weekends is definitely time for my partner. Um, we've had conversations where, um, I mean, it's really important for her that phone is down, time is yeah. quality time. And there's definitely been times where, um, I have been on my phone or I have been responding to work emails or I've been distracted and, um, that definitely impacts, uh, the quality of our time together and it impacts our relationship in the sense that, um, we don't feel like we've had that connection. So being intentional, I think about my time and, um, really kind of trying to switch hats. Yeah. I think it's all about the boundaries, which I'm not great at either, but I do, I do kind of, having young kids, I was able to say, well, after four, you know, 3.30 till 8.30 when they're in bed is, you know, no phones, no nothing. But it is really hard Mm. to do that juggle and to prioritise yourself, I guess, and your own health. Um, Okay, I've got one great question for you now. Is there a quirky fact that most people don't know about you that you'd be up for sharing? And it can be anything. <laughs> I love uh, this question. Quirky facts. I can keep house plants alive. But for, <laughs> but for the life of me, I cannot keep a succulent alive. That is I'm, really weird. I just I can't do it. I love them too much and I like kill them. I kill yeah. them with love. Yeah, you can't water them. It's so hard not to. So, once a year or something. Oh, it drives me nuts. Like the amount of succulents that I've killed is incredible. But <laughs> That's you know, a quirky fact. I like it. <laughs> I do love my indoor plants though. Like they're great. I love the greenery that they have that they offer. Yes. And they're very good for you. 
Well, Eloise, you're amazing. And I am so grateful that you shared your story, um, particularly with, you know, where you've got to now and also where you're going. If anybody loves the sound of you, and I'm sure that they will, and they wanted to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to do that? Without giving away an email address, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I've had some people go, they can call me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is going out on the internet. (laughs) No phone number. Got it. Um, They can reach me via my website. And uh, I'm not sure when you're releasing the podcast, uh, Jules, but there will likely be um, some kind of online offering at that point in time, as well as one-to-one mentoring. So lots of different ways to... So what's the website address? Uh, www.eloisetompkins.com. Okay. And it's T-O-M-K-I-N-S. And then I know, happen to know that you're on LinkedIn. Yes, I'm very, <laughs> and very active. And are you on all the socials? On all the socials, uh, Instagram, uh, I have a Facebook, a free Facebook group as well. Uh, right. that's starting to get a little bit of traction. So yeah, Fantastic. you can find me, find me on all the places. So whatever kind of suits you. Okay, brilliant. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and I can't wait for it to go out. Always love chatting with you, Jules. Thank you. My pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au. 